0: Hello and welcome to News from the Torah. This is Leah Roni. Today is the 23rd day of the Hebrew month of Shvat, the 4th of January um, 2024, and this week we're starting the Torah book of Shmot, um, Exodus, and the Torah portion that has the same name, Shmot and Exodus. And in this week's Torah portion, the Jewish people starts its exile in Egypt. We're told that there was a pharaoh who didn't know Joseph, who didn't remember Joseph and his entire family. And so the Egyptians enslaved the Jewish people. But once we know that they were enslaved, the Torah starts telling us the story of their redemption. And really, most of the story is about redemption. And the story of the redemption of the Jewish people starts with the story of one family. And that family is the family of a man by the name of Amram and his wife, Yocheved. And our commentator tells the backstory to this family's history. The story is that when Pharaoh uh, made a decree that all the male children born in Egypt were supposed to be thrown into the Nile because his astrologist told him that a child was about to be born who would deliver the Jewish people. But that child would later on die due to water so Pharaoh decided to decree to throw all the children all the male children into water into the Nile and so Amram who did not want to have children and then to have them die divorced his wife Yecheved but his older daughter Miriam came to him and said you are the leader of the Jewish people and your decree is worse than the decree of the Pharaoh because Pharaoh's decree is only uh, applicable to male babies, but your decree also prevents having female babies, so you are preventing the continuation of the Jewish people. And so, Amram listened to his little girl and took back his wife, Yochavet, and after they remarried, he had a child by the name of Moshe, and this is how Moses was actually born. And our sages tell us that every single redemption that the Jewish people have had over the entire history is a redemption that was brought about by the Jewish women and this is no different in this war and what I want to talk about today is how families are affected by this war and what is being done in Israel to strengthen families and to strengthen our nation through families because when the Torah tells us the story of exile and redemption so the story of one family, what it is really telling us is at its core, the strength of each nation starts with the strength of its families. And this is a quintessential message that it actually goes throughout the Torah, that it says the Jewish family, the nuclear family, that holds this nation together. So I want to tell you about two things that are happening to Israeli families as a result of this war, the many, many things that are happening, the many after effects and shocks that are being um, um, felt throughout the Israeli society. Actually, Israeli psychiatrists are saying that this is the biggest mental health crisis in Israel's history. And Israel has not been a stranger to trauma before. We had so much trauma over the past 70, 80 years. Actually, most of PTSD research in the world comes from Israel because there has been so much PTSD here. But what the Israeli psychiatrists are saying and psychologists are saying that we have not seen a mental crisis like the one that Israel is experiencing today. And that this is just the start. And on the day after, when this war sort of peters out, there'll be a humongous PTSD response, not just among the soldiers, but among regular Israelis as well. And because the um, effect of this war on the nation is so big and so vast in so many populations just in so many ways and I want to really talk about two groups of people the people things we don't really think about you know when we think about the trauma of war and, and what happens to people we don't think about these things so I want to talk about just two um, kinds of effects that this war has on two groups of people and what we actually have chosen to do about it and I really urge you To help us in these efforts and I'm sure when you listen to this you'll be quite surprised because this are not things that people think about. So the first I wanted to think about a family, usually fairly large families, just four, five, six, seven kids stuck in a hotel room for three months. How long can you spend in a hotel room? Even if you're given three meals a day and you're given some outings, but you're not going to work, you're very far away from home, there's nothing at the hotel the reminder of your home besides from your clothes you can't cook you have to use a google spreadsheet with the other families in the hotel to do your laundry and you have very little autonomy over your life and this is for people who are used to being very active very active in the community who used to work and and have a life so how long can you survive in a hotel there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands ten hundreds of thousands of families who are stuck in hotels for three months and the kind of effect it has actually is on the parents and on the relationship of the husband and wife between them because let's face it they don't get any privacy they don't have the time to talk they can't leave the kids and go out you know they can't call in a babysitter there is no extended family to call upon to be with the kids Um, They don't have their own space. And so this creates a lot of family strife and a lot of stress on the marital relationship. So one thing that we have started to do and at my organization called Our People, we have a space that is set up in the center of Jerusalem and is actually very close to many of the hotels where the um, evacuated families are staying. So we started something that is called the Shalom Bayit Cafe. The Shalom Bayit is the... Peace in the home in Hebrew. It's a value of having peace in the home. It's one of the highest values of the Jewish religion. So the Shalom Bait Cafe it runs three times a week, and we invite uh, couples in staying in the hotels, couples who have been evacuated, to come to our space. We have it set up as individual tables or armchairs, and every at any time we can have up to five couples. We can have up to about fifteen couples. A night and up to 45 couples a week and we invite them to come in grab a cup of coffee from our coffee machine um, we bring them pastries and um, fruit platters and vegetable platters and just all kinds of nosh and all kinds of yummy food and we invite them to come in grab a spot a private spot take a cup of coffee take some food we have board games we have discussion cards for couples and just to spend an hour as a couple on date night Just enjoy each other's company for one hour in in a private, quiet space where there is nothing around them that reminds them of the hotel where the kids are away. Just have that private space to recharge their marriage, to talk, to discover each other, to have fun. And we're getting such amazing feedback. And the pictures of the couples are just so radiant and happy. They have not had this for months on end and also they're pretty much strapped financially so they can go to a coffee shop and lay out twenty thirty dollars for the food and the drink to do that and we're giving this to them for free and so we really see the fact we've been running this Shalom Byte cafe for about three weeks now we've had dozens upon dozens of couples they're having so much fun they're enjoying themselves so much they're so touching and they're so appreciative Because actually somebody sees them. Somebody understands what they're going through. Somebody sees their pain. and Somebody took the time to set it up and have it done. This place is run by volunteers. We have different volunteers showing up on different nights, opening the place, setting out the food, cleaning up after the couples and and then locking up. But we really need your help to keep this place going to give them the food to make sure that they know about this. So if you can help this initiative, I urge you to go to ourpeople.org.il war effort, in one word, war effort, and help us with this program with whatever you can. It can be a dollar, $5 or more, or whatever you can help us with. We would really appreciate it. And then I want to tell you about another group of people, another group of women, actually affected by this war and really this reminds me of the story of Moses because in the story of Moses what happened was that when the crisis hit the Jewish people, the men were gone. The men were gone. Our sages tell us that actually part of the enslavement of the Jewish people was that the Egyptians wanted to hurt Jewish families and they wanted to prevent Jewish families from having more children. So what they would do is they would take all the men to slave labor basically take them away from home send them out into the fields and they were not allowed to come back home what the jewish women would do in order to continue the jewish people because that's the most important value the continuation of the jewish people which is always endangered and always threatened in every single generation the physical continuation of the jewish people has been threatened so, continuing our people is the most important value of our religion, and what the Jewish women would do is they would find a, you know, a fish, that, um, fish a fish out of the Nile and cook it and put up some makeup and go out into the fields find the husbands, you know, pull them off, and then you know have a child and continue the Jewish people and this is how the Jewish people were saved, despite the um, decrees of Pharaoh, and so. What's happening today is that uh, many, many men, <laughs> almost 250,000 men, are drafted into the army, and many of them have not been home for weeks on end. And you understand what that does to a family. Now, you need to understand that many of the f- Jewish families in the world practice the laws of family purity, and that means that are certain times when couples can be together, and are certain times when couples cannot be together physically, they cannot even touch or hug, now, it's two weeks, two weeks, and during these two weeks, um, the ritual that enables the, com- the couple to go back together is called the mikvah, where a woman goes into the mikvah, goes through this ritual, uh, and ritual, uh, uh dunk in this mikvah pool, and then the couple can be together again. So, now imagine what happens to a woman who has to go to a mikvah when her husband is not home she misses him. The whole point of this ritual is actually for them to be come back and be together physically. And when she goes to the mikvah, he's not home. And all the loneliness and the hardship and the heartache of not having him around, all of it just comes up. Now think of a woman who's done that once, twice, three times during this duration of this war. Think of a woman whose husband came back at a time they cannot be together. And then two days later you know, he's gone and now she has to go to the mikvah and now she misses him terribly and this is something that is going on and happening to tens of thousands of women whose husbands and the reserves and how do i know this because these women have shared their stories with me so maybe i can share one or two with you you can hear it really from the women and you, if you listen to their words i'm going to read the stories the women sent me you can really sh- hear the pain and and the frustration, but also the heroism because these women are real heroes because as one of them said, I'm swallowing my personal pain to do what I'm supposed to do for my people and for my relationship with God. So I'm going to share one or two of these stories with you and prepare some tissues because they're really, really touching. So one woman shares that when her husband went off to war on October 8th, I was debating whether to stop taking the pill and get period because he's not here anyway. But I thought that maybe we, he would come back suddenly and then it would be very disappointing because we could not be together. So I kept taking the pill. After about three weeks went by, I realized that I had no choice but to stop. And in any case, there was no prospect of him being released from the army. So I stopped taking the pill and the time that we cannot be together started. And then finally two days before we could be together again but before i was supposed to go to the mikvah he was released just for 24 hours but we couldn't even hug then my mikvah day came and as much as was it hurt when he was finally home the pain and disappointment of going to the mikvah when he was not home was no less difficult and after that my four little kids were keeping me busy it took a lot of logistics and juggling to get them to bed get myself ready and ran out while the oldest looked after the youngest to go to the mikvah. It was very stressful. And this entire time I was thinking, why am I doing this? He's not even home. Then I answered myself, what would happen if he would come home suddenly? It will be really worth it. But then I returned to the empty house, and the loneliness and the sadness took over. I swallowed my private sorrow. I thought about my people, my husband's mission, and my mission— and this is actually the essence of our people the mutual caring keeping the commandments of the torah and the tahara purity of our family even in the most difficult times and this is exactly where we are measured and this is why the righteous women continue to go to the mikveh even when their spouse is on, on the front lines and maybe we will be able to continue this mitzvah even when it is difficult I mean, we only hear good news, salvation, and consolation. Now I'll tell you another story, and this story is quite miraculous. On November 13th, I gave birth to a third child. My husband had been mobilized since the beginning of the war. Miraculously, I gave birth exactly I mean, he almost released for a bit, and he was even allowed to stay home for another two weeks after the birth. We got into more or less of a routine and I managed pretty well with the help of my amazing friends and neighbors who helped me a lot with the kids, cooking and cleaning. But then came the mikvah day after the birth and I couldn't get organized with the baby who didn't stop crying. My husband, of course, was not home and I was already thinking of giving up on going to the mikvah. But a good friend of mine said, no way. She took the baby and I got the older kids into beds and then got myself ready for the mikvah. And guess what happened? later that night my husband surprised me and came back for just for a few hours i was so happy that i didn't given, didn't give up and despite the difficulty went to the mikvah it was all worth it and here's a story from a third woman and really this one just has so much pain in it what is there to tell since the beginning of the war i have been to the mikvah three times while my husband was not home a month or so ago when they were told they were being released after training for almost two months in the Golan. I was so happy because he came back on Thursday. And on that Saturday night, I would be going to the mikveh, and he would be at home. But then Saturday morning, he was cold, all of a sudden, right into Gava. And not only was he not at home on my mikveh night, he was actually completely out of touch for 27 days. We could not even talk to him. After 35 days, he finally came home, (laughs) but at that time, we couldn't be together, we couldn't even hug. I suppose anyone can imagine what it is like not to see your husband for 35 days straight. And during that time, we only spoke on the phone twice, very briefly, from his commander's phone. And we finally came home, we couldn't even give each other a hand. The thing the Jewish women are going through in this war is so horrid. And the fact that in all this craziness, there are women who still keep the mitzvah of family purity is not to be taken for granted. It takes huge heroism. There's no other people like ours. So after hearing a few of these stories from different women from different places, we're actually putting together a program where we will um, pack gift packs for women when they go to the mikvah, for, the, for these wives of soldiers when they go to the mikvah to be gifted a pack with things, t- pampering things like creams and perfume and personal care items, something nice, something that really raised their morale, something to will be a surprise, it'll be fun for them because they're doing so much to make this happen, to keep this mitzvah. And the other part of this program is helping women get babysitters. So that on this night, they can actually go out and just have the quiet and um, the peace to do whatever it is that they have to do to get themselves organized and maybe even do something nice for themselves and have a babysitter once a month to, to be out of the house. So this is a program that once again, we're going to be starting this coming week. We're starting a pilot project in one of the communities with 150 out of 250 families, 150 men in this town are in the army, so just think about this. Out of the 250 men in the town, 150 are in the army. So we're starting it as a pilot this coming week in one of the communities, and then we're going to expand it throughout Israel. So once again, if you want to support that project, you can go to ourpeople.org.il slash war effort and support this project. And there's one more thing that you can do, and this is an appeal to all the Jewish women out there in the world. Just look at the heroism, at the dedication of these Israeli women to the mitzvah of the mikvah, even when the husbands are not home, you know, with all the loneliness and the pain. And you can look at it and say, like, why are they putting themselves through this? But this is what it means to keep the golden chain of the Jewish people, not just physically, but spiritually as well. And... Maybe you can look at it differently. Maybe these women understand just how worthwhile this mitzvah is, just how important it is, how much it gives to the Jewish people. And I invite you Jewish ladies around the world, go to the mikvah. If these women of soldiers can do it for three months while their husbands are not home, maybe go and do it once. Go try it. Go see what it's all about. Maybe you will like it, and maybe you will find meaning in it. And maybe you will understand why the Jewish women have been so dedicated to this mitzvah for ages. And for sure, even if you go to the mikveh once, you will bring such tremendous merit to the Jewish people. We so much need your mitzvah today. We so much need these merits now for the sake of the Jewish people, for our nation to flourish, for our nation to overcome its enemies. Um, every single mitzvah counts and every single mitzvah uh, helps us in the war effort. So I urge and call every s- Jewish woman who hears me to go out and for one, just one time, check out the mikvah, check out what it's like, do it one time. Then if you don't like it, you don't have to, but maybe you will like it, maybe you will see the meaning in it. And instead, I'll say, just say that once again, in every single generation, the Jewish people are being... Uh, saved and delivered from every single enemy in the merit of the Jewish women and you can certainly see this from these stories today and I urge every Jewish woman to be that woman who is bringing redemption to the Jewish people I hope that this was meaningful for you and this is all I have for this week for the Pasha of Shemot it was my pleasure being with you and I hope to see you here next week Love you saying off Leia Ruby.